Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. You know, theologically, the, the basic question we're asking is, what does it mean to be human? More specifically, what does it mean to be a sexed, embodied human being? We have bodies. Bodies are essential to our human identity. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot, and Gabe, you and your team are gearing up for the Culture Summit, the 15th annual Q Conference, in just under two weeks. And as always, it's a time to, as we often say, stay curious, think well, and advance good. This year, it's a hybrid format. You can learn more about it at qideas.org slash culture summit. Now, one of the topics, and this and next week, we're going to be going more in depth on the show about, is the issue of the LGBT movement, and in particular, the T of that acronym, transgenderism. Which I know for many of us uh, has been one of those educations over the last several years to better understand the topics, the terms, the experiences, the stories. No one's better than Preston at bringing those stories to light, helping us better understand how people who might be walking through gender dysphoria who are wrestling with gender identity questions, who are trying to, you know, they're stepping into like specific gender norms that exist in our culture. What of that is structures we've created? How much of that's biblical? How much of that's just something new in our culture? We're going to get into all of those conversations, and I'm excited to have him with us. You know, he's a biblical scholar, a New York Times bestselling author, but also leads something. He's the president of the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. And this is a center that he helped lead and create that has been such a resource for so many pastors and Christian leaders who are trying to navigate all of the tensions, all the difficult conversations around understanding Scripture, understanding theology, understand the history of the Christian faith and how that relates to modern times. And so I'd encourage you to learn more about that work there. But most recently, he just released a book called Embodied, Transgender Identities, the Church, and What the Bible Has to Say. So he's really stepped into this conversation in a way that I think so many Christian leaders need. Somebody who's willing to go there and help us understand and unpack a very, very complex topic and something we've talked about at our Q Ideas events for many, many years and tried to bring those different perspectives and help people meet those who are walking through these different experiences, but also apply it through this lens of what does Scripture say about this? How does God view this? How can we best understand that? How can we best lovingly and with compassion engage people who are struggling and walking through different experiences than maybe we are. And so I think today's just going to be that encouragement for you. If you have a friend or parents and you're talking about these kinds of conversations with your children or friends, I just think it's going to help you. It's going to give you insight. It's going to give you perspective on a lot of complexities. And so let's listen in now to this conversation with Dr. Preston Sprinkle. Preston, it is great to be back with you in the same room having conversations about really important and very complex subject matter. 
It's good to be back, man. The place hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> I know, man. Well, listen, I think our world's changed a little bit, but in yeah. some ways, not a lot's changed. Uh, there's a lot of conversations still happening around these difficult topics that not all of us know how to navigate well. I feel like you've been sitting in this place where you've studied it. You've tried to read everything from the history and the most scholarly works to the science, to the research, to the theology, going back to the, you know, Paul and, and the New Testament, the Old Testament. And that's what I love about what our listeners are getting to hear today is just kind of your take on some of this. And and for those who haven't heard our series, Preston and I did a series four years ago called The Gay Conversation that still is probably one of our most listened to series on the Q podcast. It's six different episodes where we really walk through the conversation around sexuality, around how do we think well about that. And we had 25 different voices weigh in. I mean, it was quite a project, but I found so many people to just say, hey, it was just helpful. It was, it was great to have you guys having a reasonable conversation. You agreed on most things, maybe disagreed on some things, but for the most part, helpful because there's not a lot of places to go these days. So I'm excited for people to get to hear another conversation that you've been digging in really deep and understanding this subject that I have found most people would rather avoid talking about. But today we're going to talk about it. And it's the subject of gender. Um, gender used to not be a debated conversation, right? It's like man and woman, right. boy and yeah. girl. And man, you look back over the last, you know, it's probably been like five years. I know it was happening before that, but the last five years, it just took off. Yeah. 2014, 15, it was the new conversation. We'd moved beyond gay rights and that conversation to what is gender? What are gender rights? How should we speak to people uh, who want to be called by a different gender than maybe their biological gender? So it's a whole thing. And I just want us to think well about it today. And so thank you for being yeah. with us to to talk about it. But first, tell us, why did you decide to go deep into this conversation after writing a book called People to Be Loved, which really dealt with the issue of how do we think about sexuality? Yeah. Why did you decide to go to gender? Because it's a different topic. Yeah. I'll never forget sitting outside uh, the front house of a buddy of mine who happens to be a, a gay guy who's Christian, um, conservative theologically. And uh, it was fall of 2014. So I was getting ready to submit my manuscript for people to be loved on, on homosexuality. And he said, you know, Preston, by the time your book comes out, the sexuality conversation is going to take a backseat to the gender conversation. <laughs> that was 2014. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, he, he's a pretty smart guy. So I kind of took his, took his word for it. But sure enough, pretty much right around the time my book came out, people were already starting to ask more questions about gender, transgender, and, and other categories like, you know, non-binary, gender queer, gender fluid, and the list keeps expanding. And, and as does the confusion over what these categories even mean. And, and yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the last, you know, three or four years, especially, um, the transgender and related conversations have just really, really taken off. You yeah. know? I think some of that has to do with, you know, same-sex marriage being uh, legalized at a federal, federal level in 2015. And so that was kind of a major accomplishment, what so many gay and lesbian people have been working for. Um, and, it, you know, I talked to some gay people in, in the community, and, you know, they're kind of like, yeah, we, we're, we're there, kind of like, you know, it's, there's still difficulties, but we've kind of arrived. But meanwhile, trans people are thinking, well, we haven't, you know, and we, yeah. have, we still have a lot more things that we want to try to fight for. So, so even on a cultural level, there's been a lot of movement. Um, but with that movement has come a lot of confusion, a right. lot of confusion. And that's what I want to do today is I want to get into that confusion. I want to kind of see if we can get a little order 
out of the chaos that it feels this conversation brings up, which is why so many people just avoid it. But I know there's so many parents now who have children who are educating them, right? The children are saying, this is what this means. This is what I want. This is how I feel. This is how I want to think about this. Uh, and so you have parents confused because they want to be kind, loving. They they care so deeply for their child. They're not going to let these labels get in the way of relationship. Right. And so one of the things we kind of broke down in that series was just this framework that I'd laid out in our book that David Kinneman and I did together called Good Faith. And it's the idea that we should use these lenses to think through how do we approach difficult issues. And the first frame, the first lens is theology. Like that's the foundation. Like our first job as Christians is to go, what is God's view of this? And and how do I know that? Through scripture, through the church fathers, through how we understand human beings and and uh, how we were designed to function, how sin has distorted that in some ways uh, and disordered it. And and so I want to start there with you on this conversation of gender so we can just have kind of some solid footing, understand how you're seeing it, and go back to the source, right? right? God's design, uh, which I realize will be controversial and people listening may not agree and may have different opinions, different sources, different ways they're going to think about it. But at Q, we're trying to bring this historic Christian understanding into the modern world. And so I want to kind of hear how you've unpacked that and where we should, how should we approach this from a theological perspective? Yeah, thank you for that. And, and let me begin by giving the major caveat by saying, kind of reiterating what you just said, that look, I, I've, I've spent the last several years reading everything I can get my hands on this topic, but also conversing with many transgender, non-binary identified people to um, to, to hear their stories and listen to, you know, their experience. I don't think experience should determine what we believe, but it should kind of shape, you know, h- how we believe it. So um, so everything I'm going to say is, is going to be controversial. There's not a word that's going to come out of my mouth that's not debated by somebody. But I've done my best to try to approach this fairly biblically and sensitive, sensitively to the people who have this experience. So, you know, theologically, the, the basic question we're asking is what does it mean to be human? What, or more specifically, what does it mean to be a sexed, embodied human being? We have bodies. Bodies are essential to our human identity. Um, and that's not really controversial from a Christian perspective. Um, but our bodies come in sexed forms, uh, male and female. And, uh, well, let me say this, and this might raise more questions we can maybe get to, but, you know, 99.99% of people, people are either male or female biologically. Right. There's um, the intersex exactly. category that is true for some people that are just born that way with both genitalia, correct? Right, exactly, yeah. And that, that is, and it, you know, I, I hate even saying, you know, it's such a small percentage. I don't say that uh, to therefore say we shouldn't care about it. I yeah. have a few friends who are intersex and they're both male and female. And that's just, the, that's just who they yeah, are. That's you how know? they were born. Um, uh, there's a lot of intersex people that are aren't. It's it's such a minor variation that they're still clearly male or female. But um, so yeah, so al- almost every human is going to be clearly male or female. Now another thing to understand as we even approach the theology is how many people are distinguishing between sex and gender. Up until the 1960s, say um, sex and gender were synonyms. Sex. Gender, you can use them just interchangeably right. to refer to whether on forms. That's how they were used, right? Totally, they just yeah. all meant the same thing. But beginning in the late '60s, and I'll, I'll save you from all the history. Um, you can, you know, go on Wiki or something and get the history of this. But but scholars in the field, psychologists and and sexologists, began to make a distinction between sex, sex and gender. So now, sex means biological sex. Your chromosomes, your reproductive structures, you know, what makes our bodies different from between male and female. 
Um, gender people use in a few different ways. Um, the two main ways are one, uh, gender identity, which has to do with one's internal sense of who they are. So more the, the psychological response to your embodied sex. Then there's gender roles that has to do with kind of the the cultural expectations of what it means to be a male or female, or, you know, to use a shorthand, you know, masculinity and femininity. And uh, and, and here's where a lot of the confusion starts. You know, somebody says, you know, I think they're, you know, Facebook says there's, you know, 74 different gender options. And some people flip out. You know, there's only two genders. I'm like, okay, calm down. Let's just, right. you have to understand that the term gender is used by, you know, 10 different people in 11 different ways today. So, so at least ask what the person means by gender. Because if, if you define gender, as many people do, as one's internal sense of who they are, then there's probably 7 billion gender identity. You know, when you make it so subjective and individual, that's why people are saying there's so many different gender identities. They're not saying there's... It's unscientific to say there's 74 different biological sexes. That's just, right. that's flat earth theology. Well, <laughs> I get emails from the flat earth society, so I guess there are some people who wouldn't, you know, anyway. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, understanding how people use the terms sex and gender differently is so essential for even engaging this conversation. Um, but going back to the theological point, yeah. you know, God made them male and female, right? right. There wasn't a gender conversation no. happening. In scripture, right? The, exactly. The Bible doesn't entertain that distinction between sex and gender. Now, it does, it does talk about, yeah, when it says God created the male and female, Genesis 127, and it links our male and femaleness to how we bear God's image. That's, that's probably the most fundamental theological starting point, mm-hmm. is that our biological sex is intertwined with the divine identity that we've been stamped with. This is not... Um, superficial. This is not just icing on the cake. This is really a significant part of our humanity. Now, does the Bible address gender as something different than sex? It it does kind of talk about, I would say, maybe indirectly, it does talk about, you know, masculinity and femininity without using those categories. Yeah, gender roles and gender roles and stuff. Expectations culturally that are put on women and men. But the great, what I love about the Bible is that it gives us a lot of liberty on those. I mean, you have some women that stay at home and make babies, you know, and that's a very stereotypically feminine thing to do. You also have women that drive tent pegs through men's skulls and win wars (laughs) and and are successful businesswomen like Lydia in Acts 16. So these narrow gender stereotypes that our culture and sometimes a church reinforces the bible actually says yeah most men might act masculine some men like david play a harp and white pro poetry and weep over their best friend david or jonathan you know so i think the bible does not actually reinforce these gender stereotypes which i think is really helpful um and especially in this conversation because i think i think some people they start i in some in some cases people could search for an alternative gender identity when they feel like they don't conform to these narrow stereotypes. So the church can step in and say, no, you're, you can be a male or a female. Um, and you can be, you know, you can be a male that likes art and not sports and that's totally fine. Right. Or you can be a female who's athletic and enjoys sports or enjoys fishing or hunting. Exactly. (laughs) Right. And, and that doesn't mean you're not a woman or you weren't born with the right body, right? Exactly. But but let's talk about though where the where does the distortion start to happen though for people? I, I get that the one area can be just the cultural 
stereotypes we've put around people. And so they're like, get me out of this box because that's not who I am. And I don't see any category I can find. And now the world's saying, hey, there's more categories. You being you can be something different than what you've been told you had to be. But where does it sort of theologically get off, in your opinion? Where does it, where do we as human beings start to basically see it differently than maybe how God wanted us to see it? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, uh, that's a great question. There, there's two kind of directions um, where something like a gender dysphoria might come from, or, or just let's say, you know, alternative identities. One is from the cultural pressure to conform to these stereotypes, which we talked about. But then there's also for some people, um, it comes from within. Like I know people that from the time they were three years old <laughs> had debilitating uh, gender dysphoria where they just literally feel like they're mm-hmm. living inside of somebody else's body. And I've, I've heard of people as young as six years old become suicidal because they just feel horrified. They look in the mirror and they feel like they're looking at some, somebody else. Um, so this is a serious, this isn't just them, you know, not matching up to the stereotypes. This is a serious psychological condition. According to um, the uh, the most authoritative source I know, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM uh, Fifth Edition, um, they they say anywhere from point zero zero five to point zero one four percent of the population um, has been tested for gender dysphoria. Yeah, and define gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is just um, the feeling of distress that comes with experiencing an incongruence between your biological sex and your internal sense of who you are. And honestly, beyond that, it's it's even even specialists are still trying to get their arms around it. We don't know what causes it. Has like, this been happening throughout history? Sure. Do we have record that this this percentage has stayed about the same? I mean, we didn't have yeah. the data to do that. But are you, as you're reading stories and understanding history, I know in the sexuality conversation, yeah. there's a lot there that you could see between same-sex relationships and other things happening. Do you see the same thing on this idea? We, we do have uh, several historical examples of people cross-identifying, cross-presenting. We've even, there's a, famous Roman emperor from the third uh, century AD who used to go and just dress up as, yeah. as a woman and have sex with other men as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's from, from the descriptions of this guy, some people say, Oh, he must've been gay. It's like, I think he was probably some kind of trans, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but in terms of this psychological internal um, disposition, we're, we're, you know, no, there's nothing that really documents that. But we do see the manifestation of what would probably be some kind of gender dysphoria. So yeah, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. All these conditions that we have terms for now, I think, you know, maybe to a lesser extent, maybe to a higher extent, they still. Have well, it seems like existed. they're. I mean, it's it's definitely increasing the number of people yeah. who are identifying. So you could either say, hey, there's there's a sense of more freedom to just you know, identify as whatever I want in this particular society. So people have always felt this way and have been able to identify. Or you could say the imagination's being changed and, and people start to to have an imagination, even from young ages, that yeah. they could be different. They could be born in the wrong body. They're They're being taught that in some ways that maybe you should question that about yourself. And so kids are asking themselves questions that perhaps 20, 30 years ago, we would have never even thought to ask. Um. Yeah, we definitely have a, a new categories now that we didn't have before. And so you have people, uh, you have an, a massive increase in people identifying. It, it is important to make a distinction between transgender and transgender-related identities 
and those who have a psychologically diagnosed condition of gender dysphoria. So let's go back to that percentage, 0.014% on the high end with gender dysphoria. Let's just say, let's just say, let's, we can quadruple that number. Let's just say 0.05%, you know? Well, anywhere from, you know, 0.6 to 0.7 of the population, adult population identifies as transgender. That's what, I don't know. I'm giving a round number 10 yeah. times higher than those who might have gender dysphoria. Then when it comes to teenagers, you have like anywhere from 2 to 4% identifying as trans. So then you have an age difference here. You have a way higher percentage of younger, you know, Gen Z identifying as trans or non-binary. Um, and so th- th- and certainly that, though, I mean, I know there's even a new category for some of what's happening. And this is a sensitive thing to talk about yeah. because, again, y- what you're saying and what I think is important for us to see is that people who are identifying in this way, the feelings are real, right? right? And, sure. and I know there's this phrase my friend Ben Crane has talked about a lot, that feelings are real. They're not always reliable, mm-hmm. but they're real. And so we don't want to discount feelings. We don't want to invalidate that somebody feels this way. Uh, but at the same point, we're seeing a major increase in the people who are feeling this way. Um, that, that from my view feels like the culture's part of this, the imagination's part of this, the entertainment, the art, the, the expression and, and all of that sort of feeds something that says, Hey, this is possible. And I didn't, I didn't even know this was possible. And so some would look at that and go, that's great. That's the kind of world I want to live in where anything's possible. I can be whoever I want. But then when you look back at sort of Christian theology and history, you go, there are actually some constraints that that are good for me as a human being that when I live with self-constraint or I don't just follow what I'm feeling, that may produce more flourishing for me and more abundance. And, you know, what is your take on that? Yeah, well, you, yeah, you're entering into a, a, a hotly disputed category, uh, conversation about the role that society plays in nudging these feelings or even, um, you know, pushing people towards identifying. And certainly, on some level, both nature and nurture are interacting here. But when it comes to teenagers I, identifying, there, it, there has been such a massive increase that even, even very liberal, non-religious people are saying there's some, there has to be at least some level of societal or, you know, some people call it a social contagion that is influencing people to... Um, to uh, ha- you know, look at their bodies and not feel like this is who they really are. Yeah, and there's we a see name. It. Isn't there a name for it called rapid onset? Uh, what Gen- is it? Gender? Yeah, rapid onset gender dysphoria is a term that was coined by a psychologist from Brown University named Lisa Littman, who produced a. Um, I, I think it's a really good study. It's been it's been critiqued, uh, but I've read the critiques, read her response. I think it's a solid study where where she looked at this massive increase among females, especially teenage females identifying as something other than by their biological sex. And, and she's identifying that in many of these cases, they had an underlying mental health issue. Um, uh, autism is, I mean, in one gender clinic in the UK, 50% of the people that came in for gender identity issues also were on the autism spectrum. Another study said, you know, if you have gender dysphoria, you're seven times more likely to be on the autism spectrum, four times more likely to have a multiple personality disorder, borderline personality disorder. So there, and then depression and suicidality, and there's there's uh, all kinds of mental health issues. And you know, is it causation or correlation? And we can't say for sure, but somehow these other mental health issues are 
intertwined. Right, this is Q Ideas, and we have to press the pause button right there for this week. On next week's show, we'll continue this conversation between Gabe and Preston Sprinkle of the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender, and author of the new book, Embodied. Now, Preston will be just one of the many presenters in a week and a half, April 22nd and 23rd, for the 15th annual Q Conference. We're calling it the Culture Summit, and I want you to be a part of it with us. This is the space where once a year for two days, we're going to unpack some of the most important topics. We're thinking through where the culture's going, where the context is changing, and what does it mean to be faithful as Christians, as leaders, as husbands, as fathers, as wives, as people who work and lead in companies, in industry, in educational institutions, in the church. And so everybody can join us this year. That's the reality. Because of COVID and because of the way that changed things last year, we were able to create an incredible platform that not only allows now people to gather in person, but for you to host a watch party. So if you can't get it to Nashville, you're not in a season where you can travel right now, April 22nd and 23rd, I want to ask you, be intentional. If these kinds of learnings and conversations that you enjoy through the podcast are inspiring to you, and you're always wondering, man, I got to talk to somebody about this. This is going to be that opportunity. So join us. Be a host of a watch party. It's only $99 to host a watch party or to watch virtually online. But then you can invite your friends to join with you for only $25. You can have as many as you want, and they can come join in the room, or they can watch virtually with you online, and you can engage not only the 25-plus topics and presentations and conversations that we will be hosting, but 50 expert Q&As, where we've invited the best of the best, the experts in a variety of topics, some of the most important issues you need to be aware of in 2021. And you're going to get to Zoom with them and interact one-on-one with in a larger group where you can ask your questions to these experts and get the answers that you need. So I hope you'll learn more. Join us. Go to qideas.org slash culture summit. That's qideas.org slash culture summit, where you can see all the presentations, the topics we're taking on. We're adding more and more presentations and breakouts every day. So check that out and be a part of this global moment for two days where we really discern what has got up to in this moment and what does it mean for us to be faithful. I hope you'll join us there. Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.